sweet, man. Who needs coffee when you get a song like that, huh? What a great, great way to start the day. And I love it, man. I, anywhere you go, I'll follow you down. I'll follow you down. But not that far, right? <laughs> And that is so true for us in so many ways. That's what we're looking at today. And uh, by the way, we also knew that you would, we thought, well, I'll follow you down. I'll follow you down. But not so far as down here. So I don't know if you guys noticed, we've changed some few things. We actually put the cushy chairs in the center here. <laughs> so the center people are cheering and you guys are like, thanks a lot. But, uh, but anyway, we, yeah, we just made, made that move just to, to, to try to just bring us all together. And, um, and I just want to say, hey, welcome to K2. My name is Dave Nelson, uh, lead pastor here, and so grateful that you've decided to join us this morning. And um, we're in this new series and, uh, that we kicked off last week, talking about a God who makes no sense. And uh, he is definitely the God that we're going to look at today. So... Talking about following you, I'll go wherever you want us to go. Here at K2, we really do, and this is very, very important, high value for us, <clears throat> that wherever you're at on your spiritual journey, it's the best place to be. It's where God has you right now. So one of the things we've tried to do is make sure that there's a really good step for, for you, no matter where you're at. Um, the first one is gonna happen today at one o'clock. And that is, if you're brand new to K2, we have a Discover K2. And we'd love to provide lunch for you. The cafeteria, if you go out these doors and just come right over here, the cafeteria is over here, right at one o'clock when this service is over. Um, it just gives us a chance to meet you. I'd love the opportunity just to meet you, to give us a chance to share with you who we are, why we do what we do, answer any questions you might have, okay? So easy first step if you'd like to know more about K2. Secondly, we have this thing we call Base Camp. And it is an eight-week course that we wrote. To, if you know, if you're gonna climb Mount Everest, the first thing you do is you go to base camp first because you wanna know, okay, well, what's the route? Who's my team? What tools do I need? And what we realize is if you're gonna go on an adventure with God, which is what we call it here, if you're gonna really be in relationship with him, the best thing to do is, well, let's get some equipment first. Let's figure out what this is like. So that base camp, we start a new one all the time. So just pay attention, but a good step for you in your journey in understanding Christ would be to take that. We got lots of other things, our life together groups, serving opportunities, the marriage conferences is coming up. Anybody excited? Okay, now let me tell you about this. I wasn't, I, 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 am gonna, I am promoting this thing like huge. I'm talking to every pastor friend that I've got that I know in the valley, I'm encouraging everyone to come. I don't care if your marriage is rocking, it can always get better. And I don't care if your marriage is on the rocks. Jesus cares, well actually I do care, you know, if you, but, but Jesus cares. And here's, and I'm telling you, Dave and Ann Wilson, I've known these guys for 30 years. They are fantastic. And, and, I, and here's the other thing I want to say. One of the best things I did was not get married till I was 34. Because for those 34 years, I hated that, by the way, but, but one of the best things about that was I got equipped as much as I possibly could as a single man before I ever jumped into a relationship. I, I want to tell you, if you're single, you need to be at this marriage thing. It's a fantastic opportunity. So anyway, it's coming up at the end of April. We got lots of time, but I want to make sure you know about that. All right. Let me just shift here a little bit. Um, one of the things uh, many of you know, how many of you know Mark DiMeglio? Do you guys know Mark? Um, and if you don't know Mark, you probably do. Um, he was actually here today. Mark is the guy who's been out front greeting here at K2 for years. He's got the long flowing gray locks that we all covet, right? This great hair. Um, but a few weeks ago, Mark um, had a stroke and today was his first day back at K2, which was, yeah, it was really, really, really awesome. So I don't know if you got a chance to greet him as, as you came in. Um, but here's the, the other thing. So that day, getting that call a few weeks ago. And then uh, this week, um, if you haven't heard, uh, if you, any of you are aware of the, the Adventure Church down in Draper, um, fantastic, awesome church. Eric Van Rie is a pastor and one of the guys I met when I first moved here. Absolutely love that man. He's so brilliant. I just feel like he would run circles around me. He's so smart and yet so humble and so full of joy. Last Sunday, um, Eric was in church leading his church. On Tuesday, he had chest pains, went to the emergency room, went in for surgery. They couldn't stop the bleeding. He never woke up. And on Thursday, Eric Van Rie passed away. And um, 
man, every, every day since then, um, it's just a kick in my gut. He was an amazing man of God and had a huge impact on this valley. And, uh, and it's hit me in so many ways. I think even as we're gonna talk about today, why this is so important what we're doing. Eric's like maybe two, three years older than I am. You never know, do you? We have no idea what this life holds. Mark Demiglio had no idea. Sarah was with him a half hour before it took place, before he had a stroke and everything was fine. Walks in the room half hour later. Eric, fine one day, not the next. So man, I just wanna pray for us. And here's what I wanna, I, I, and what's cool, we're gonna pray for the Adventure Church. Right now they're gathering together, right? And they've lost their pastor. And, and we just need to pray that God will comfort them. We need to pray for Jody, his wife. The shock of one day being with your husband and the next day not. For their children. This is a huge deal, all right? So would you guys just join me and let's, let's gather together. Let's lift this community up and, and, and ask for God to comfort them. Father, I thank you so much for your grace and your mercy on Mark. Thanks for saving his life. Thanks for the restoration that's happening. I know it's hard, it's long, it's arduous, but we thank you for what you're doing in him. We pray that you will be with him, strengthen him, encourage him and his family. And God, I wanna thank you for Jesus Christ. I wanna thank you for the absolute hope that we can have of eternity in heaven. I thank you that Eric is there and I thank you for the life that he lived while he was here. But Jesus, would you right now, even right now as the adventure's meeting, would you bless them with your presence? Would you fill that room with comfort and hope and peace? Would you help them as they grieve the loss of their husband, father, friend, pastor, and, um, and Jesus, would you use this again to remind us all that our time here is short. And we just ask that you would do that. God, thank you that we can come to you. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for moving on our behalf. And we ask for it in Jesus' name, amen. So um, I don't know if how many of you were, how many of you were not here last week? Anybody not here last week? If you were not here, I can't tell you, Mike Rutledge did a phenomenal job. Um, you need to go to our website. Uh, you, can, you can download uh, on iTunes, on, on the app, and get all of our messages. You can go to our website, watch any message that's already taken place. Mike did a phenomenal job last week, kicking us off. We're in John chapter 11, which is the story of Lazarus. And one of the things that Mike said uh, to kick off his message was, there's not one of us in this room, there's not a human being alive who hasn't experienced at one point or another where God did not show up when you wanted him to show up. And when he didn't act in a way that where you wanted him to act. And, and that's just true. And so, and now, as I think about kicking off this message, here's something that else is true about every one of us in this room. God, the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us that God is always working. He's always doing something, right? And every person in here, I bet you, how many of you have ever felt like you, could, you felt like God was prompting you to do something? How many of you have ever felt like God was actually prompting? Okay, you, they, he just always is. And here's what's crazy. I know that if God has asked you to do something, it is something that you don't want to do. Amen? Well, <laughs> somebody really serious over here. All right. But, it, but it's just true. And so that's kind of where we're going to go today. And that's why when we see that song, any, right, we're all Christians, right? Anywhere you go, I'll follow you down. I'll follow you down. But not that far. And that is the perfect song to help us address our own relationship with God. Now, Mike, help us to understand, why is it that when God, why is it that he doesn't make any sense? And then when he asks us to do something, why do we struggle with it every time? And it's because in Isaiah 55, it says, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. See, now if that's the case, then when God tells us to do something, you can go, that's why your heart goes, oh, and it fights it. Because he's just so different than us. And I love how Mike brought up, as, the, as far as the heavens are higher than the earth, 
soar my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And now, as science has discovered, how far is that? The heavens from, it's like 15.5 billion light years away. That's how much higher God's thoughts are than yours. All right? So here we are. So here's what I want you to start thinking about. Do you have something today that God is asking you to do that you're struggling not to do? Do you already know that stirring or that prompting? Is he kind of moving? And that's what we're going to address today. All right? This God who to you today might not be making sense at all with what he's asking you to do. If that's true, you probably run into God. All right? So we're going to trust his word to speak to us and we're going to look at his word. But before we do, can I, now I just pray for Eric and Mark. I want to pray for us. Okay. Let's pray for us and let's pray for this hour together. Father, thank you that your word is alive and active. There's no way we could ever understand you. Our small finite brains would never be able to comprehend you if you didn't reveal yourself to us. So thank you for your revelation in the word. Thank you in your revelation through Jesus. God, would you move today in a powerful way with your Holy Spirit, bringing deep conviction about things that are real and true in our own heart and in our struggle with you. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. week and we're in this Lazarus story, what happened? Initially in John chapter 11, and again, if you have our app, you can pull this down. All my notes, all the scripture are right in the app, the K2 app. You can grab your paper Bible or something off the web. Um, But in this story, Mary and Martha come to Jesus. They send word to Jesus and they say, hey, the one you love, Lazarus, the one you love um, is sick. Would you come? Because they knew if Jesus would come, he would heal him, right? And then this crazy thing happens, and Jesus, it says, because he loved them, he decided to stay. So I don't know about, again, this is a God who makes no sense. Wait, no, 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 God, when I have a need, when I I have something, I'm supposed to call to you, and you're supposed to come. (laughs) But what we learned last week is sometimes God goes, I love you so much, I'm not coming. So that's what happened last week. He is a God who makes no sense with his timing. Now, where we're ending up here in verse 7 is the very next verse. And here's the next place where God makes no sense in this story. It says, then after this, right, in verse 7, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going to go there again? Wait, wait, wait. You make no sense. So here's Jesus going, and they all experienced it. They saw the horror. They saw the anger. They saw him picking up their stones. He was going to be killed. And now here's Jesus going, that's where we're going. And you can see these guys going, you make no sense, Jesus. Your way, that way, that ain't my way. Anybody else, amen to that, right? His way, that way. That's not my way. Anywhere you go, I'll go. That's what these disciples said, right? Anywhere you go, I'll go. But not that far. I'm not going that far. And I don't know if you've all felt that. Have you ever followed somebody to a certain point and then eventually you just can't do it anymore? (laughs) So for me, I've shared this with you for years if you've been around, but I have this horrific fear of heights. I mean, it just, I get paralyzed. I literally can get paralyzed. Last weekend, I was down with my family and we were in St. George and we went to Snow Canyon and my kids were, you know, have anybody been to Snow Canyon? What a fun, beautiful place. My kids are climbing up these like little cliffs and stuff and I'm like, oh, okay. And, yeah, I'm in the biggest wuss. I tell you, I, just, I get absolutely frightened from that. So years ago, I took a group of high school students when I was working with high school students back in Michigan 
and I took him on a, a wilderness trip. And at the end of the wilderness trip, the guide had us do a high ropes course. How many of you guys have done the high ropes course, right? So, and, and I'm sitting there going, I don't do this. This is what I don't do, but I'm like, oh, I got to. So I did, man, I let him hook me in and I got on all these ropes and I'm up there going, I can't believe I do that. I yelled down, I go, take a picture. Cause I got to send this to my family cause they'll never believe I'm up here. I mean, I was so proud of myself and we got all the way done with the ropes course and we're sitting down and then the guide comes and he goes, okay, now we've just got one more thing we're gonna do. And he goes, look over at that tree. And here was this tall tree about three stories high with a little platform sticking out about this far. You guys seen these? And then out there is a trapeze bar. And he goes, okay, so now we're gonna climb that tree and you're gonna stand on this platform and you're gonna jump out. And I'm like, okay, that was great. I'm not doing that. And so I literally, I just sat down and I said, you know what? That's great, I'll follow you, but I'm not following you that far. And so then I sat there and there was this other kid, Toby, and he's go, good, man, because I'm not doing it either. And then I'm sitting there and Toby's sitting there and all of a sudden I'm like, oh. And I go, you know, every week I challenge these kids to face their fears and to take steps of faith. And I'm like, it!" So I had to do it. And I'll never forget, man, taking it and just going, what am I gonna do? and climbing up that tree, getting on that thing and just leaping out and grabbing that trapeze bar. See you guys, this is what God is calling us to do. So here's where we're going. What is your Judea? What is God asking you to do? That you inside your heart are like the disciples and you're going, are you kidding me? You make no sense at all. Here's where we're gonna go today. There is a call from God to every one of us in this room. And there is only a specific time frame for that call to actually happen. And there are miraculous, divine, more than you could ever imagine results if you'll actually respond to the call. So this was 2000 years ago, right? This was Jesus, but here's what's cool. For 2000 years, people have been responding to God's call. And there are amazing stories of what happens when they do, okay? This is one of the most amazing stories of somebody doing what Jesus did. Watch this. The year was 1950, and deep in the Amazon jungle of Ecuador lived a primitive tribe of Indians known as the Akas, which simply meant savage. They were reclusive and mysterious, and they had lived like this for centuries. They were really just a Stone Age people that were alive and well in the 20th century. They were also astonishingly violent. They actually had the highest homicide rate of any people group in history. They wouldn't hesitate to kill their family members and even their own children. But in a neighboring village, there were five American missionaries including a man named Jim Elliott. Men all in their late 20s, early 30s, all married and all with little kids. These men were smart and they were passionate and they were adventurous. But more than anything, these five families absolutely longed and ached for the Akas to know the love of Christ. But how is this ever gonna happen? You see, not a single outsider had ever made contact with the Aka Indians without losing their life. Why in the world would these men ever risk making their young wives widows and their children fatherless? What wife would even think that this was a good idea? But it wasn't just an idea. It was a call from God for the Akas to know their creator. And that call ran deeper than any fear that those families had. So after months of planning how they would reach the Indians, in September of 1955, they felt this extreme urgency just to go now. This was the time. And it was a window of opportunity they knew that they may never get again. And so the men started flying a small airplane over the Aka village. 
and through a loudspeaker, they would shout out um, words of friendship in the Aka language. And they even devised um, a way with a string and a bucket to lower gifts to the Aka Indians. And after three months of doing this, of having this air to ground contact, the men thought, you know what? We, we feel comfortable. Let's try to land this plane. And so they did so. Um, on a beach, it was about two miles from the Aka village. And they built a little tree house and they got up there and they sat and they waited. Four days after they had landed, on the, an Aka man and two women finally emerged from the jungle. The missionaries gave them several gifts, including a small little model airplane. And the visitors seemed to relax. They shared a meal together of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, which I'm sure the Akas had never had before. And they even took one of the Indians for a plane ride. These missionaries had made the first peaceful contact between the feared Akas and the outside world. So, so every day the men would radio back to their wives telling them how great things were going. But on the sixth day, no call came in. And as the late afternoon turned to evening and evening turned to night and they tucked their children into bed, the wives grew worried. The following morning, a search plane was dispatched. Their plane was spotted, but no men were in sight. And over the next few days, the bodies of each of the men would be found floating in the river. It was later discovered that one of the Akas who had had contact with the men had returned to the jungle and he had lied to the other Akas, saying the men were dangerous, that they were here for bad intentions. And so an ambush on the men had been planned. But having heard that the Indians never attacked anyone carrying a weapon, the five missionaries were armed with guns. But they had agreed that they would never ever shoot an Aka. And so on that fateful day, as 10 Indians emerged from the jungle, spears in hand, the men chose to let themselves be killed so that the Akas would hopefully have another chance to hear the gospel one day. This decision would prove to be the most important one that the men ever made because over the next few years, as the truth of the men's intentions were made known to the Akas, they wanted to know why the men had not used their guns. And they wanted to know about this creator that the men had risked their lives to tell them about. And so they did something they had never done before. The Akas actually invited some outsiders to come and live with them. But it wasn't just anyone. Jim Elliott's wife, Elizabeth, along with her two-year-old daughter, went to live among the people who had killed their husband and father. Rachel Saint, a sister of one of the other missionaries, went to. And one by one, the tribe responded to the good news that the women shared with them. And the Bible was even translated into their own language. And they would no longer call themselves the Akas, which had meant savage. They were now the Wudani, which means people of God. More outsiders would come to live with them over the years, including Steve Saint, the nine-year-old son of one of the other missionaries, and his older sister, Kathy. And while they were living there, they decided that they wanted to be baptized. And the person that they wanted to do it was a man named Menkai, the man who had speared their father to death. And today, Nate's own children and grandchildren refer to Menkai as grandfather. And now, as they have for years, the Wudani now seek to reach other tribes in the Amazon jungle with the good news of Christ. So it was true what Jim Elliott had written in his journals in college. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Okay, boys, we got to go to Judea. Jesus, they want to stone you. What are you thinking? Okay, boys, we got to go to the Aka Indians. 
Oh, Jesus. Those are savages, man. No one has ever escaped with their life. Hey, guys, um, I know they killed your husband and your dad. I want you to go back and share with them my love. Jesus, you make no sense. So what's your Judea? Because again, if God is always working, then every one of us in this room has something that God's been asking you to do. And my guess is it probably doesn't make much sense to you. For some of you, if you're new to the whole Christian thing, when you first start to sense that God is asking you to receive Christ into your life, to receive forgiveness and to surrender your life to God and actually allow him to be God, I'm telling you, there is nothing that's more scary than that. And it's right to most of the world. It makes no sense to surrender my control of my life and pass it over to God. For many of us in this room, what God's been prompting you sometimes, he actually prompts you to end a relationship. Some of you may know that right now today. You've been sensing inside your heart. I'm, this relationship is supposed to end, but that is so scary and it makes no sense. For others of you, it's not ending relationship. God's asking you to fight for a relationship. He's asking you to forgive somebody. He's asking you to actually reconcile with someone who's done something so horrific to you. And you just say, God, you have no idea. Don't you? Well, maybe you do, but do you know what they've done? This makes no sense, right? That I should forgive and reconcile. For some of you, it simply is, is struggling. God's been prompting you to serve in maybe some capacity. But you go, man, if I say yes to you, God, this is going to so mess up my life. It's going to be totally inconvenient. <laughs> or it's way outside my wheelhouse. For those of us who become Christians, as soon as God, this whole tithe thing comes up where God goes, hey, here's what I want you to do. I, I, you understand this. Everything you have, I've given to you. And I just want to ask for one back out of those 10. The 10% is actually mine. And you can do the other nine, 90. And yet we just go, that makes no sense. And then he actually messes you with you once you're a Christian and he wants to actually move you. Some of you might be feeling this. You're already tithing and he goes, now I want to move you to generosity. Now I want you to be generous. And you're like, okay, this is getting ridiculous, right? For some of you today, there's stuff you're hiding. There's stuff you're hiding. You have sin in your life. There's stuff you're doing that you don't want to be doing. And you're scared to death to let anybody know. And you know that God's been working in you and you feel like you're supposed to get this out. You don't want to be stuck anymore, but it's so scary. And you've sensed God's telling you to let somebody else know, to confess it. And it is so scary. And you said that makes no sense. For many of us who are Christians, you might feel like God's been asking you to talk to your neighbor or a coworker or a family member about your faith. And it's like, oh man, God's too much. I don't know what it is. But here's what I do know, is if you've run into God at all, he is a God who will say at some point in your life, you need to go to Judea, whatever that might be. So here's the question, why? Why would you even consider confessing your sin or forgiving somebody or stepping out and serving him? Whatever it is, why would you consider going to Judea? And here's how Jesus answers us, okay? So here's his word to us this morning. Can you guys put up, Ty, can you put up, I think I gave you um, verse 9 and 10 of, of John 11. Here's what Jesus says. Are there not 12 hours in the day. If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Now, that's what Jesus says. When he goes to his disciples and they go, what in the world, Jesus, why? Why would you do this? 
Why would you send us back to Judea? He goes, because there's 12 hours in a day. So apparently his answer to us is an understanding about light. And that's what I wanna take us through, okay? Three things that we're gonna understand here that I think can help you and I take this step to do whatever he's asking you to do. Here's the first thing. We gotta talk about the light and the call. The light and the call. So Jesus says, you and I gotta walk in the light. Well, what does it mean, right? To walk in the light. Because Jesus equates going back to Judea as walking in the light. What does that mean? Okay, here we go. Look at this. First John chapter one, verse five and seven says this. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with, God, with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we don't live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Jesus, why in the world do you want us to go to Judea? Because you guys, there's only 12 days, 12 hours of light. And you guys, you gotta walk in the light. What does that mean? What do you mean? Here's what he means. God is light. And so what he's saying is, when you walk in the light, what you're doing is you're walking in him. You're having fellowship with God. And so basically what Jesus is saying is, guys, the reason I gotta go to Judea is because that's what God is asking me to do. And whatever God wants to do, that's the light. And so here's, look at this, John chapter four, verse 32. Jesus has been talking to the Samaritan woman and stuff and his disciples come up and they talk, hey, Jesus, are you hungry? And in verse 32, he says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? And then he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus, why are you going to Judea? Judea? And Jesus, I can just see Jesus going, I know, it's kind of crazy, huh? But I gotta go to Judea, why? Why? Because it's God's will. And God is light. And when I say yes to God, listen to this, you guys. When you say yes to God, he says, that's walking in the light because that's what I want you to do. And then what happens is you end up having fellowship with God. Here's what Jesus was saying, you guys. He goes, if I don't go to Judea, then I'm gonna say no to God and then I won't have fellowship with my father. And the coolest thing is Jesus says, the beautiful thing and why we worship him is he always did whatever his father wanted him to do. For Jesus, nothing else would have been light except to go to Judea. And if he would have said no, he would have been walking in the darkness. What does he want you to do? What is your Judea? Listen to this, John chapter eight, verse 12. Jesus spoke again to the people and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What's Jesus saying? Whatever he's asking you to do, as soon as you do it, you step in to the light because that's where he is. And if you're saying no to him today, then you're in the darkness. And he says, and so think about this. How intimate do you feel to God this morning? How close is he? Do you sense his presence with you? And so many of the times we're going, God, where are you? And lots of times it's not that he's gone anywhere, it's that we won't do what he asks us to do. And if you don't do what he asks you to do, then you're not in the light. And if you're not in the light, since he is the light, then you're not in fellowship with him. And I wanna tell you something. Following Jesus makes no sense. It is really hard to follow him. 
It's true. His ways are 15.5 billion light years away from mine and from yours. And as ludicrous as going to Jerusalem or Judea seemed, it was light because it was God's will. And I just want to share real quickly, this is just my story. And I mean, for me, following Jesus has always felt like getting up and climbing up that post and standing on this little platform. And I've always, every time God has asked me to do something, I find in my spirit, I go, nope, I'll follow you, God. I'll follow you, but not that far. And I remember the first time, you guys, receiving Christ, sitting in a church service, just like you're sitting here today. And for the first time, feeling God moving in my heart and asking me to receive his forgiveness and to receive his grace and to surrender my life and receive Christ. It was so scary. Everything within me was, no. Ending relationships? Man, I had to do that twice. And I, I can't even tell you the tears and the agony and the heartbreak when I felt like God was saying to me, this is not the one. That was so hard. I never screamed at God so much. No way. Leave all your friends. Leave all your family. Leave all the success that you're having. This is when I was in college. And go down to Hodunk Asbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky. Are you kidding me? It makes no sense, God. Why would you want me to do that? And then I feel him saying, now, David, I want you to go to Columbia, to the depths of Columbia. I'm an 80s child, right? You guys remember the communists? <laughs> Columbia was filled with communists. And that's where I felt like God was saying to me, will you go to the depths of the jungle of Columbia all by yourself? No, that makes no sense, God. And then I feel this weird call to go into ministry. Oh God, no. To actually have a job when every time somebody asks you, what do you do? You have to say, pastor? Come on, you guys, you know what that's like. No, you don't know what that's like. Can I tell you what that's like? <laughs> that means every time somebody asks me what I do, as soon as I tell them, their opinion of me immediately changes. <laughs> that's a great job to have. Right? And then it's so funny. Here's Trudy. Trudy will not stop calling me Pastor Dave. So we always have to, Pastor Dave, what? Should I call you Engineer Bob? <laughs> right? Like you get labeled. No, please, God, this makes no sense. Hey, David, you got this sin in your life, man. And you can't beat it. And I'm asking you to reveal it to somebody and to confess it to somebody else. No. God, do you, do you know what will happen to me if I reveal my sin? Do you know what people are like? Yes, I do. I can't do that, God. And then this crazy one. Move to Utah. Okay, now we're getting crazy, God. No. God, you make no sense. But I want to tell you, every time, in every one of those situations, eventually, I said yes. I said yes to every one of those things on that list for me. And here's what I found, is as soon as I said yes, I walked into the light. And I actually have fellowship with God. And I'm telling you right now, man, you can't experience God if you're always saying no to him. And God has this thing. He's like, Jesus is like, guys, why are you going go to go to Judea? To, to, to Judea? Because that's what God asked me to do. And I do whatever he asked me to do. So I've got to get in there. That's the light for me. And I want to tell you, man, I don't know what yours is. I walk through this list. I feel like first service, man, I wrestled with this so much. 
That confess your sin thing, man. I remember just saying, there's stuff I've done in my past. I will never let anybody know, ever. And I'll never forget when I was just out of college and God asking me, David, if you want to get over this pornography issue, you have got to confess this to somebody else. And I'm like, Dad, I'm like a Christian. And you've called me into ministry. I can't let anyone know that I struggle with this. And he would not leave me alone. And I'll never forget the day, and you talk about fear and trembling, where I finally found a guy who I felt like I could trust. And for the first time in my life, I confessed my whole childhood, teen, college struggle that I couldn't get over, that I hated. Do you have anything like that in your life? Do you have stuff that you do that you don't want anyone to ever find out about? That you're hiding, that you're so filled with shame in? And I'll never forget finally telling this guy and confessing it, and I can't even begin to explain to you the power of how it broke for me. If that's what he wants you to do, you guys, it's the light. And I want to encourage you with all my being, man, if it's confess your sin today, then do it. Now here's the deal. Do it with someone who will be gracious. Do not share your sin with a religious person. <laughs> do you understand what I'm talking about? Because here's the truth. I, I sat there this morning and I'm like, God, seriously, this is what you want me to share with all of you? Yes, because you know you're forgiven. Relax. And I do. I know I'm completely forgiven in Christ. The only people who will ever judge me for the struggle with sin is other people. But the church is supposed to be different. The church are the people who've received the grace of God. And once you really get the gospel, you know there's nothing to fear, man. There's nothing to hide. And I hope some of you today who have, who have been hiding and you just because of that, it's destroying your life. I pray that today, if God's saying, get it into the light, that you'll do it. Because here's what'll happen, man. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Jesus said it. If you walk in the darkness, you stumble. And some of you are stumbling in your sin because you're hiding it. And some of your relationships are falling apart because you're in the darkness. What is he asking you to do? Do it. And as soon as you do, Jesus says you'll walk in the light. And then he goes, and I am the light. Oh, come on, you guys. Do you want to experience Christ? Do you want his peace? Do you want his joy? Do you want his freedom? Go to Judea. No matter how much it scares you, go to Judea. Real quickly, a couple other things he says here. Let's talk about light and time. Because Jesus said this, he goes, are there not 12 hours in the day? Now, what does he mean by that? Here's what he means. There's enough time for everything that needs to be done. I give you 12 hours. There's 12 hours a day. There's enough time for you to get what needs to be done. But then he also says this, but don't waste the time. Because the sun rises, you got 12 hours, but then it sets and it's done. There's only so much time that you've got. See, this is what Eric Van Rie knows really well now, doesn't he? This is what's been bugging me for three days now. Nelson? You're 50 years old, and I've shared this with you guys. Your dad had a heart attack. Your mom has cancer. How many more days? I don't know. But here's what I know. God's going to give me enough time in the light, but I better not waste that time. So in Ephesians 5, it says, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. I'm light. Are you light in the Lord? Well, what does that mean? You then live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of goodness and righteousness and truth. And then look what he says, and find out what pleases the Lord. Do you guys, you know what pleases God? The only thing that pleases God is faith. The Bible says if you don't have faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can be religious and never please God. 
You can go to church every week and never please God. You can do all these right things and never please God. The only way you please God is when he asks you to do something, you do it. That's what faith is. So find out what pleases the Lord. And then look at this. Wake up, sleeper. That's why it says, wake up, sleeper. Wake up, you guys, come on. Rise up from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now we all know this, right? Like we all have only 12 hours of life you're going to be born and then you're going to die. But we also realize that there's opportunities, right? How many of you have ever missed an opportunity? Anybody ever missed? Not? Yeah, see? And don't you hate it? Because then you look back at that and you go, it!" you regret. So it's interesting. Do you guys remember the series we did this fall on time? That one of the, one of the, uh, one of the issues of time is called Kairos. And Kairos is the time that has a beginning and an end. And Kairos, actually in Greek mythology, was a god. And he was, Kairos was the god who was the personification of opportunity. So when they made a statue of Kairos, you know what they did? He had wings on his feet. They set him outside the place where the games would take place. And then, so he was this warrior, right? This, this guy with wings on his feet, great opportunity. And in the front, he had a lock of hair that was right over his, his, his eyes and the back of his head, he was bald. And the whole reason they did that, what they said is because when opportunity comes at you, you better grab it. Because once it goes by and you try to get it, it's a bald head and you missed it. <laughs> Isn't that genius? There's 12 hours. There's 12 hours a day. And while it's light, Jesus said, I gotta do what God wants me to do. Who do you need to reconcile with? Who do you need to forgive? What is God asking you to do? Are you gonna miss the opportunity or are you gonna seize it? And here's the deal, you guys. What happens when you do? See, when you do what God says and when you walk in the light and you're walking with God, you know what happens? God's stuff gets done. <laughs> and so let's talk about the light and the impact. See, because when Mary and, and Martha came to Jesus and they said, Lord, the one you love is sick. And he said that, and he heard this and Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it. When, when, when Lazarus had died and Jesus showed up, Martha ran out to him and he said, Jesus, if you would have been here, right, my son would, my brother wouldn't have died. And then Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Can I ask you guys, anybody in here want to see the glory of God? Okay. No, but no, seriously, there's one way to see the glory of God. You go to Judea. You walk in the light. You do whatever it is that he's asked you to do. And light is always associated with life. That's why Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me, if you'll follow him today with whatever he's asking you to do, he says, you will never walk in darkness. You won't stumble. And you will have the light of life. You guys, if you'll do what he's asking you to do, your spirit will come alive because you'll be in fellowship with God. Don't buy the lie that saying no to God is making your life better. It's just not. And if you'll do what God is saying, then God will bring life to others through you. Jesus brought life because he went to Judea. Yes, he suffered and he died and he brought life life. I tell you, here's what I know, man. Eric Van Rie, that dude, he's in heaven right now. I'm reading this book right now called Imagine Heaven because we're going to do a series on heaven right after Easter. It's going to rock your world when you actually understand what's going on in heaven. Here's what I know. Eric's up there right now going, sweet. I said yes to God. And that dude, if you knew his story, he was absolutely addicted 
He was completely consumed and a slave to drugs. And God came, he was dead in his spirit, literally. And God, like Lazarus, rescued him and made him alive. And from that day on, he and his wife, Jody kept saying yes to God. And they too moved here to Utah and hundreds of people. He brought, people have seen the glory of God. Can I ask you Christians, what impact is your life having on others? Do people look at your life and see the glory of God? Whose life are you touching? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me. Food keeps you alive. Food is what gives energy to your physical body. If you want to be alive in your soul, if you want spiritual energy, then say yes to God today even though it doesn't make sense. Man, I want to tell you, climbing up that platform, standing on that little thing and going one, two, three, and latching onto that, yes, it's scary. But God has something more for you. And I want to tell you, right behind this camera, right over here, this is Mike Zabriskie. Mike, raise your hand. Everybody say hi, Mike. Mike sent me an email a couple weeks ago. He's been on a journey here. It's beautiful. When he and his wife first walked in here, man, they wanted nothing to do with religion or with God. And he's still, God's been totally changing his life. Here's what Mike sent me. He said, I'd like to tell you what happened to me tonight. I've been praying for God to use me and to let me be him for someone in need. Well, Tonight, he took me up on that. I've been watching what I eat, trying to stay away from sweets. But tonight, I heard I needed to go to a local fast food place. I hear that too. I had no idea that that was the spirit of God. That's sweet. He goes, I had no idea why. It was very crowded, and I noticed a young guy looking very distraught. By the time I sat down, a large group of people between us stood up and left, leaving me looking right at him. He was talking, but didn't know who to. Turns out it was me. I didn't hear a lot of what he was saying, but the general idea was he had gotten in a fight with his wife and his mom was in the hospital. He had tears rolling down his face and I felt God say, talk to him, listen to him and tell him your story. I thought, I don't do that. I know I should, but it's not like me. Go to Judea, Mike. And God won. We talked for a while, and again, God told me to help him get to the hospital where his mom was. I asked him if he wanted a ride, and he started to cry, and he said yes. On the way, I felt God tell me to tell him that God cares for him, and knew what was happening in his life. I told him about my past and how different God has made me and my new life in him amazing. And when we stopped, again, I felt God tell me to pray with him. And I felt myself say, I can't do that. But I decided to trust God. I prayed for him for a few minutes and by the end we were both crying. And then I felt God tell me to give him some money. And I did. And then when I went to shake his hand, he gave me a huge hug and told me I had changed his life tonight. And little did he know that God had changed both of us. Judea? Yeah, guys, because here's why. I'm going to raise Lazarus from the dead and many are going to see my glory and they're going to put faith in me. Judea? Yes, guys. Because when I go to Judea, I'm going to die on the cross and I'm going to bring salvation for the whole world. You guys, listen to me. Listen to me. Whatever he's asking you to do, it is the light 
I'm sure it's scaring the bejeebies out of you. And I'm sure in your ways, it doesn't make sense because it's God's way. I get that. But are you seriously going to say, keep saying no to him? Because if you keep saying no to him, then you never get in the light and have the fellowship with God that he died for you to have. And if we never say yes to God, then his stuff never gets done and we end up living these kind of religious, mediocre, kind of half-baked lives of faith that make no impact in the world. Nobody gets to see the glory of God. But if you will go to your Judea, you will come alive. You will have fellowship with God and his glory will get displayed and other people will find life. And that is what makes sense. So here's where we go, man. What is he asking you to do? Will you trust him? Will you say yes to him today and see the glory of God? Will you find your life and will you let him to use you to reveal his glory? In one of the songs we're gonna sing, it says, I have heard you, God, calling my name. And some of you today, you've been hearing him. So I will let you draw me out. You make me brave, God. You call me out beyond the shore into the waves and no fear can hinder now the love that has made a way. So here's what I wanna do for you before we worship. So cool, man. Dude came up to me after the first service and he said, 35 years. 35 years ago. Something, I won't give away his personal life, but somebody had done something so horrific that he's held nothing but bitterness in his heart for 35 years. And today, he forgave that person. And he's free. And he's free. What is he asking you to do? So here's what I want to do for you. If you know today that God has been calling you and right now today you're like, I'm not saying no anymore and I'm going for it. Would you just, I want to pray for you. I actually want to pray for you. And here's how I want to do that. If that's you today, if you're sensing God saying, I'm going to follow you. Would you just go ahead and stand right now? If you know right now that God has been calling you to go to Judea and today's the day where you're finally going to say us. Stand up right now. It's your life. It's your life. You got 12 hours. Don't miss the opportunity. Do not walk out of here and miss the chance to say yes to God if he's been working in your heart. And I'm gonna pray for you, okay? Let's pray. God, for every person who stood up, I thank you for the clear call that you have in them. They've been hearing your voice. They've been wrestling with you. And they know that you're asking them to do something very clear. I ask on their behalf right now that you give them the grace and the mercy and the power and the strength to walk out of here and to do it. Jesus, thank you for their witness for their chance to stand up before you and to say, I'm in, I'm going to Judea. I believe with all my heart that whatever you ask me to do is light and life for me and for this world. God, will you bless them deeply and richly as they walk with you? Will you reveal your glory in whatever it is that you're asking them to do? And may you change the world around them because they said yes and we pray for it in Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Everybody go ahead and stand up now. So here we go. We're going to worship and give you a chance.
to tell, to help God make you brave, right? Because that's the whole deal. Jesus is the only one who always says yes, and we're gonna give us a chance to do that. You guys, we're gonna take our offering right now, and I just wanna make this really clear. If you're visiting with us today, or if you're not a Christian, like this financial offering, just chill. I mean, if you wanna give, that's fine, but just chill. But for those of us who said, man, I follow Christ. This is definitely one of those things to many of us that doesn't make sense. And I wanna tell you, if this could be the one area as well, where God's just saying, trust me in this. If you trust me in this, you just watch, man, I will bless you. I will bless you. So let's take our offering and let's worship God and let's ask him to make us brave, to have courage to step out wherever he's asking us to go. All right, let's do it.